Hi, this is John from Prodigal Church. We want to thank you for listening to this week's teaching. The best way to watch and listen is through our Prodigal mobile app, available at your app store. We hope you are moved to love God and others in a greater way. Now, let's dive right into this week's teaching. Well, Happy New Year, Prodigal. Uh, We hope and trust that you had an amazing, beautiful, magical Christmas um, together. And uh, we look forward, as you do, to 2021. Uh, God, I want to start us off with uh, this beautiful poem. "'Twas the week after Christmas, and all through the house. Nothing would fit me, not even a blouse. The cookies I nibbled, the fudge I did taste, all the holiday parties had gone to my waist. When I got on the scales, there arose such a number. When I walked to the store, less a walk than a lumber. The pies and the cakes, the bread and the cheese, and the way I never said, no thank you, please. So away with the last of the sour cream dip, get rid of the fruitcake, every cracker and chip. Every last bit of food that I like must be banished till all the additional ounces have vanished. I won't have hot biscuits or cornbread or pie. I'll munch on a carrot and quietly cry. I'm hungry, I'm lonesome, and life is a bore, but isn't that what January is for? Unable to giggle, no longer a riot. Happy New Year to all and to all a good diet. And the church said, amen, amen. What are your New Year's resolutions? Studies show that over half of them are broken by the end of January, and over 90% are done by the end of the year. Um, This morning, we're going to be looking at resolutions and simply asking the honest question, are we better people this year than we were last year? And what can we do to become better people a year from now? So we're going to look at a few passages of scripture and give a few practical applications of things that we can do in a greater way to love God and to love people in 2021. Now, all of these applications are going to begin with an R. I I normally don't do like acronym sermons, but it worked this week, so hopefully it will help us be better. Uh, Okay, the first R word is recalibrate. Now, I felt like this word worked for point number one, but I first had to find out what the word meant. Uh, it means to, again, plan or devise something carefully so as to have a precise use, application, or appeal. And so to recalibrate is to carefully and precisely implement something. To carefully and precisely implement something. I think we could do that with our New Year's resolutions. The call for us this morning is to recalibrate by once again centering ourselves around Jesus. Hebrews chapter 12 says this, the author writes, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. I love this running metaphor, right? It says, throw off every weight that slows you down. Amen. Let us run with endurance, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who perfects our faith. It's beautiful. Fixing our eyes on Jesus and keeping our eyes on Jesus are two different things, right? It takes work. Uh, When I was in Africa in the year 2000, I had a couple throwaway cameras, right? Those Polaroids with the the cardboard on the outside. And um, if you are under 30, you may not even know what that is. 
Um, but I would just point and shoot and then I would take it in, they develop the film and they would print the picture. And printing the pictures is different than saving them to your camera roll on your phone. And we would print pictures and I took some amazing pictures just by pointing and shooting. Um, but those throwaway cameras don't really do justice to the beauty that was around me. It's all about those legit cameras, right? Not autofocus, the legit ones where you gotta do this, okay? Those are the real deal cameras. Those are the ones that take the shots that really truly capture what is happening before you. Um, there, there was no autofocus back in the 80s. No, you gotta twist that lens again and again until the, the background is blurry and the person is clearly focused. It takes intentionality. It takes a recalibration. That should be our image for the new year. This year, our lives will be oriented around Jesus. That, 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 that's gonna permeate our relationships, our work ethic, our finances, every aspect of our lives surrendered to Christ. And it doesn't just happen, it takes work. It takes putting everything else in the background, making that blurry and making Jesus the center. There's no shortcuts with focusing in on Jesus. It is a decision of the will. There's no shortcuts to discipleship. And so if you think there's just some cheats I can do to get these resolutions taken care of. If there's, some, there's just some cheats I can do and get my life right with Christ. No, it takes work, it takes intentionality. There are no shortcuts. There's no autofocus. Simply going to church will not center your life around Jesus. It is a decision of the will. It's like marriage, right? There are, there are three aspects of who we are as humans that go into the question of marriage. And the first aspect is uh, emotion, right? This is how we feel about the other person. If the emotion was the only thing, we would've got married like right when we first were dating, okay? But then the second aspect comes into the decision, it's intellect. And this one says, whoa, emotions, hold your horses there, buddy. Do you know this person enough to get married? Do you have enough money for the ring, the money to support them, the, the, the money to provide for them? Do you and her make sense? Are you both headed in the right direction? The intellect comes in and says, no, 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 I have a say-so in this decision-making process as well. And the final, most important aspect is the decision of the will. This is the one that stops most people from walking down the aisle. This is the one that says, am I willing to sacrifice all others for this person till death do I part? Many of us in this room have made decisions to follow God, maybe out of emotion. Maybe the Bible makes, or maybe out of intellect, right? The Bible makes sense to you. It's the logical choice. And so you've, you've, you, some of you have made it from emotion. Some of you have made it from intellect. But the most important decision of all, the one that means the most to Christ, the one that ties you to him forever, is the one that is a decision of the will the complete recalibration of our entire lives centered on the person of Jesus. Recalibrate yourself this year and center your lives on Christ. Number two, the second R word, reprioritize. Uh, the things that mean more than they should must be rightly ordered. So they need to come down the priority list and things that need to be higher need to be elevated. Philippians 3 says this, I once thought these things were valuable, 
But now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I've discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. Surpassing worth, infinite value. The word here for worthless, all these things are worthless. It means less than nothing. It means it's a negative. It so surpasses the, the, the knowledge of God, the knowing Jesus so surpasses everything else that everything else is a negative in comparison. Less than nothing. Now picture it like this. This helps me when I'm trying to understand what Paul here is saying in the book of Philippians. And by the way, Paul is writing Philippians from a prison cell. And he writes this, that, that knowing Jesus is greater than all else. So picture it like this. Picture yourself in a completely dark room and all you have is your phone. And you turn on your phone and it's like, what a bright light. But it's only bright because there is no other light around us, right? In total darkness, your phone, even if it's the old school Nokia or the, the, the Motorola Razor, it would still shine brightly amidst all darkness. But if you were to step into the sun, and then look down at your phone, you wouldn't even be able to tell if it was on or not. It would be completely dark. It loses all of its shininess. Why? Well, because of the surpassing brightness and greatness of the sun, the surpassing light that surrounds you. So also, if a mind does not have the light of Christ, a lot of things look bright and shiny and attractive. And so we look at people who have things. Ooh, look at that's the shiniest of light. Look at that car. Look at that salary. Look at that house. Look at, look at that bank account. Uh, look at that. I want this on my Amazon list. All these things look bright and shiny. But when you step into the sun, the shiniest of things in the world fade. When you step into the light of Jesus, the things of the earth lose their impressiveness. Jesus is the sun, and if you are standing in him, the lights on your phone just aren't gonna cut it. There's nothing better. They're they're less than nothing. Paul says, I consider them garbage. The Greek word here is um, skubalon, and Actually, garbage is the nicest way to translate this word. It's literally excrement, okay, poo-poos. An emoji would be like this. I, I consider it all poo-poo compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ. All the world's shiniest things are like the poop emoji compared to Christ. Jesus should be your first priority. The second priority we should have as we reprioritize for 2021 is people. People that God has placed in your life. Put those people above everything else, including ministry. Okay, there's this, there's this misnomer uh, about quality time, right? I don't, I don't spend a lot of time at home with my kids, but the time I do is quality time. You want to know what your kid is thinking about that? They don't know the difference. Contrary to popular belief, love is not spelled L-O-V-E. It's spelled T-I-M-E. Love is spelled time. So as you reprioritize, and as you put God first, and as you put those God has placed in your life 
second. Above work, above the 401k, above your business. Uh, yeah, it means time. Spend time with those the Lord has placed in your life, your spouse, your relatives, your friends. Right now, who is coming to your mind that you maybe feel you need to spend more time with? Is it your kids? Is it your grandkids? Is it, is, it, is, that, is it that person you need to call on the phone? And we know that things are weird right now and you maybe can't gather together in the same way that you could, but reaching out is still reaching out. I believe that the Holy Spirit is bringing people to our own minds right now that we need to reach out to, that we need to make effort, that we need to reprioritize. Lately, in 2020, they were down here on the priority list, but God wants me to reprioritize and they need to be elevated. So you can repress that voice or you can pull out your to-do list on your phone and your calendar and follow the Spirit's lead to deeper and more meaningful relationships in 2021. Number three, the third R, and it's a double whammy, recognize reality. Two R's, double points. Okay, recognize reality. Uh, Simon Cowell gives people the gift of reality, right? You can't sing, you suck. He gives the gift of, it's harsh, it's mean, it's cruel, it's funny, it's hilarious, but he gives us the gift of reality. Um, so does the Bible. Uh, there's this book called Ecclesiastes, and we all think that, oh, well, this is wisdom literature. It's often lumped into those. Solomon was very wise. He wrote the Proverbs. It's wisdom. Not so fast. Wisdom literature offers you two paths. And you see this throughout the scriptures. It's in the Psalms. It's, it's definitely in um, the Proverbs. Uh, do this good thing and do this good thing. Uh, and you'll get this good thing. Or if you do this foolish thing, you'll get this negative thing. Okay, this is wisdom literature. You see this throughout the scriptures. Ecclesiastes is different. Ecclesiastes is for everybody who did the right thing, who played by the rules, who was moral and upright. You gave it your best shot and you still got messed up at the end. It still didn't go your way. It's a different kind of wisdom literature. It's not do this, do this, and things will work out. It's you did this, you did this, and nothing worked out. That was 2020, okay? And in Ecclesiastes chapter three, you'll recognize, this is what the author says, there is an appointed time for everything. There is a time for every event under heaven, a time to give birth and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to throw stones and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to shun embracing. A time to search and a time to give up as lost. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear apart and a time to sew together. A time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love, and a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace. Now, this Ecclesiastes passage of scripture is beautiful. 
But it is not a passage of scripture about what you should do. There is a time you should do this, and there is a time you should do that. That's not what the Bible is saying. It's saying that there is a time for everything. It's going to happen, right? The first couplet really gives us the key to unlocking this, this whole thing. Born death, right? A time to, to give birth and a time to die. And it is between these two things that all of the rest of the list takes place, right? All these things will happen if you are born. These things will unfold between when you were born and when you die. You got problems, that's okay. There's, there'll be a time when those will end. You're having a good time. Everything seems to be going right in your life. Just keep living a little bit longer and things are gonna go south. That is life. Problems will find you. That is reality. And so in 2021, let's recognize reality. We know 2020 didn't go very well. We're trying to recognize that. But there's gonna be things that go wrong this new year as well. The sooner we can get honest about the unjust suffering in our lives and in our world, the sooner we can be a part of helping alleviate it. Yes, there is suffering. Let's do something. Why is this happening to me? I know that question well. My soul knows that question well. Your soul knows that question well. Why, God? And I, I found that there's another W question to ask when I'm asking why. It's what. What can I do to make a difference in our world and in these circumstances and in the lives of others? So yes, why matters. But let's spend more time focused on the what can we do? What is God calling us to do? And finally, this is not a double whammy with the R's. Risk more. Risk more. Uh, Tony Campolo um, had asked 100 people over the age of 80. He asked, if you had to redo it all, redo your life, what are the three things that you would do differently? Number one, they said, overwhelmingly, spend more time with family. Number two, do more things that would live on after I died. And number three, risk more. Risk more. Number three, you cannot discover new oceans unless you have the courage to lose sight of the shore. Some of you have been praying, God, is this really what you want for me? Do you really want me to take this step? The only way to know is if you take that leap of faith. And God may be pushing you. This word, this sermon, this moment right now, God might be saying to you, yes, take that leap of faith. I've got you. Our call is to go. We take some risks. So what risk is God calling you towards in 2021? Is it making him Lord of your finances? Does that mean giving? Does that mean tithing? Is God calling you towards in maybe inviting others to experience this Jesus? Is, it, is God calling you to serve in some capacity? Is God calling you to restore a broken relationship from someone? Is God calling you to leave the life of sin that maybe you've been struggling in for so long? Jesus says go. There is a, a legend about a little fish who overheard a fisherman say that fish need to live in water. 
So the fish became worried and he started hunting for water. He swam from creek to river to the seven seas. And one time he met a big old wise fish who saw how worried the little fish was. And he asked him, what's going on? And the little fish said, I'm looking for water because I heard a fisherman say that fish cannot survive without water. And the big fish laughed and said, oh, little fish, why are you worried? Don't you know that you are in water all the time? Our status as called people of Jesus has been taken care of. In Christ, we, have, we are more than enough. We have an unsurpassing Our status as called people of Jesus has been taken care of. We are in water. And the most forgotten part of the Great Commission is that, and surely I am with you even to the end of the age. We're always in God's pond. So let's take some risks. A seminary professor once told his students, some people tiptoe through life just to arrive at death's door safely. Students run, dance, jump, or skip in this life. Just don't tiptoe. I don't want Prodigal Church to be a tiptoeing church. I want to be a church that risks it all for love of God and love of others. As we close and we enter this new year, with perhaps more anticipation than we've ever had for a new year. This is what I'm trying to say. A man bought one of Whistler's paintings and asked the artist to come over to help find the appropriate place to hang it. My wife and I have just recently moved and so we're starting to hang some things on the walls and it is a difficult thing to find what works where. And so the, the famous artist Whistler, he agreed to help. And so he walks patiently from place to place as the person held up his painting and they tried to find the right spot for it. Finally, exasperated, Whistler said, you're going about this all wrong. What you need to do is move all the furniture out, hang the picture where you want it, and then rearrange all the furniture in relationship to the picture. This morning, the Spirit of God is giving us a similar message. You see, Jesus doesn't want to be added to what you already have. He wants to be first. And if you let him come in, he'll help rearrange all the rest so that you can experience the joy of having the ultimate greatest treasure on earth, knowing him. You will never overcome your failures, your shortcomings by trying harder, but rather by centering our lives in Jesus.